0: Hello everyone, welcome to a new episode of Hallmark Heartbeats, a podcast all about Hallmark movies. I am your host, Camille. This week we are reviewing Hallmark's movie titled One Winter Proposal, the second movie in the One Winter Trilogy. Earlier this month, Hallmark released the third and final movie of the series, One Perfect Wedding. I thought it was the right time to review the first two films of the trilogy. It stars Taylor Cole, Jack Turner, Rokia Bernard, and Duchesne Williams. It has been a year since we caught up with the gang, Ben, Kara, Megan, and Sean. So many changes have happened since. New jobs, new book, new projects. Cheers to failed New Year's resolutions. A little rundown on the movie. The movie begins with Carol who played by Taylor Cole, and Ben, played by Jack Turner, at the coffee shop. Kara presents him with a mock print of her novel, The Girl Who Knew Too Much. Her publisher had asked for a few things changed in the movie, and she couldn't wait to hear Ben's thoughts on this. Megan is now an operations manager at a new magazine, Hayden Lane. She has become the yes person, accepting assignments without regard to her schedule. Megan has volunteered, herself and Ethan, her assistant, to mock up the new travel section of the magazine, which will be out in two weeks. She also had asked the magazine to write a review by Kara's book, The Girl Who Knew Too Much. Ben has started a new snowboarding company called Charmed. He is looking for a distribution agreement with Porter Mason, owner of Spark Snowboards. Ben has scheduled the meeting for when him and Kara are at Clara Lake. Sean and Megan, they'll promise to see each other once they returned to Seattle last year. Never got to do that. Phone tag, sm- email tag, smoke signal tag. They never saw each other again since winter weekend. They finally see each other at the New Year's party with Ben and Kara. Sean discloses he is about to move from Seattle since he got a new job at a new practice. Chemistry is still rocking, though, when they saw each other at the party. Kara's new ending for the novel has the two main characters breaking up, which leaves Ben Murray since he assumed the characters are based on himself and Kara. He thought it meant Kara wasn't ready to take the next step with him. Troublesome since he's planning a second proposal at Clara Lake, and I mean not for his business. While settling down at the chalet, Kara finds a receipt to a jewelry store, which she later surmises to be for fitting an engagement ring, Ben's mom's engagement ring. Funny how every small moment Ben has something to give Kara, the look of anticipation, and then disappointment on her face. Anticipation is a killer. Wine charms, helmet with a hole for her ponytail, everything but the ring. Ben plans to do a whole surprise for the proposal. He went all out to keep Kara's wondering eye guessing he will propose. Paid cash for the flowers, the dresses with the concierge, he got the measurements from a dressmaker who made Kara's bridal gown, gown from a friend's wedding. Megan at first wasn't able to go to Clara Lake due to work obligations, but she pitched Clara Lake as the perfect first destination for the magazine's travel section. And her boss, Syndra, loved the idea, and agreed to send her and Ethan to take pictures. She was originally only allowed to come for one day. Megan is surprised to find Sean in his new practice as doctor in Clara Lake Clinic. Their fun banter is still the same. Sean agrees to take Ethan and Megan to the lookout, which, in one perfect wedding, ended up being the place he proposes. Beautiful scenery. To give Ethan a chance to take pictures without Megan looking over his shoulder, Sean takes Megan for a walk, in which Ethan takes candid shots of the couple. Later, Megan and Sean cite this very important moment as when they start to fall in love with each other again. Homebuck and its aversion to long-distance relationships bears its ugly head again. Clara Lake couldn't be too far from Seattle. They were able to drive there in one day. Modern-day technology allows long-distance relationships to happen all the time. And yet, here's Megan allowing that to be a hindrance in moving forward with her relationship with Sean. Like seriously, Homer, stop letting long-distance be a roadblock for new relationships. The carriage doesn't have to return to a pumpkin when you go back to Seattle. I am glad that Hallmark forgot about this aversion in the third movie. But please, Hallmark, stop letting long distance be a reason not to have a relationship. Megan and Ethos project expands to not just seeing new places, but what about the other senses? Smell? Touch? Taste? Hearing? They decided to stay, which in my opinion was inspired by Megan's desire to hang out with Sean Moore. Cindra also loved the idea so much, she didn't want just photos of their experience at Clara Lake. She wants a video to be added on their website. By the end of, of the movie, the project has a title, Travel Through the Five Senses. Cindra offered Megan to be operations manager for the travel section. She declined. Instead, she offered it to Ethan. Saying he was overqualified to just be her assistant. One winter weekend, the weekend Sean and Megan first met, they agree was the highlight of the year for both of them. They decided to retrace their steps from last year, trivia night and indoor camping, which was crashed by his niece, Nikki. Nikki and Megan connect over fashion and magazines. It's nice to be reminded sometimes that you have a cool job. <laughs> Sean tells Megan why he quit surgery. He was in a funk, and the last time he truly enjoyed himself was at Clara Lake with Megan, Ben, and Kara. That's why he took the job of resort doctor, but it was offered. Two great weekends are sometimes more than what many get, but don't settle for just two. Kara meets a woman, a first-time snowboarder named Lisa. Kara used Charmed Snowboards to teach Lisa how to snowboard, and it's great. It inspires Kara for the tagline for Ben's proposal, Everyone Starts Somewhere. Where does everyone start as beginners? And the name for his board, The Wing. Lisa became the selling point for Ben's business proposal. She is Porter Mace's wife. Kara and Ben show Porter, Lisa using the board down the hill and the helmet with the hole. Ben pitches it as a beginner's board. Porter is impressed and goes into business with Ben. Charmed is not just a business to Ben. He started it with hopes of keeping costs low for kids who can't afford equipment. Kids like the participant in Camp Snow. With Porter on board, this will finally happen. Ben and Kara finally talk about the ending of the book. The girl who knows too much. Ben thought that the characters were based on them, so when Kara wrote the characters breaking up, he thought that meant Kara was getting cold feet as well. Kara really needs to work on her transmitter, right, Lisa? <laughs> the sad conversation with Sean and Ben is great. It's one of the highlights in this movie, and not just because of the shirtless men, (laughs) even though that's not a bad thing. Sean reminds Ben of who he used to be, a former CEO of Scion Snowboys, one who, if an investor keeps rescheduling, will take his business elsewhere, an action star diving into the unknown. Sean was Ben's hero. Sean says he's like the duck. Calm on the surface, Under the surface, always chatting, always moving. Amanda, the book reviewer for Hayden Lane magazine, finished her article on The Girl Who Knew Too Much. It's not 100% positive. Kara overhears Megan telling Sean this, and her anxiety is through the roof about it. Ben is so great and supportive, though, showing Kara classic novels like Great Gatsby and On the Road novels that had really bad reviews when they first came out but now are classics. Reviews aren't always indicative of how successful a novel will become. When Kara finally got to read Amanda's review of the book, she realized that Amanda was actually a really really big fan of the book. She just didn't like the ending because for a book that talks about a conquering fear and listening to your heart and everything. The ending where they break up, it just doesn't make sense. The lessons the book was teaching in the beginning, totally forgotten about when the end comes. After Portrait Mason agrees to go into business with Ben, he calls Sean for help in preparing for the most important proposal of his life. Megan distracts Kara for a couple of hours to stay away from the chalet, while Ben and Sean fixes the place for a proposal. Rose petals, an Agatha Christie novel, a gorgeous dress, and flowers all over the library, where Ben stands in a tux, ready to propose. Perfect song plays in the background f- f- for proposal, "A Thousand Years" by Christy Perry. Ben in a tux. You surprise me every day with how wonderful you are. Yes, I will marry you. Okay, so I give this movie three out of five stars. It's a great movie. I. It was a. Gr- it was a good. It wasn't as good as the first one. Um, It's just a little bit more boring, in my opinion. I don't know why. I guess I... I don't know. I just did, like... This one had unnecessary conflict, I guess. It was... Their conflict was how Ben was Kara's um, novel where the characters break up and Ben thought was about him I mean it's just really made up conflict uh, I did not like that so let's go over the hits and misses Hits, Lisa is a Big hit for this movie. Loved her. Love her advice to both Megan and Kara. I'm gonna have them to I'm gonna have to add them to my list of favorite HOMA quotes. If spending time with somebody feels like a fantasy, then it's someone worth being part of the reality. Your receiver works great. You might need to work on your transmitter. You're great at picking up other people's signals, but sometimes you give out signals yourself without knowing it. <coughs> but, <coughs> but, <coughs> I love the double meaning of the title. It wasn't just a will you marry me proposal. It was also about the business proposal for Ben. In the first movie, I did not like that Carol was the savior for Megan to see herself more than she really was. A lot of times, that's what happens, is for characters, especially people of color, to see themselves. They need like the guidance of the white person. But this one, it's flipped. It's the opposite. This one, it's the black character showing, being the hero, showing Ben that, hey, look, you're a good man. Let me remind you who you are. And then the biggest hit of all, Sean and Megan. They stole the show in the first movie. And they are stealing this show, the movie, this time. I love the chemistry. The Shane and Rakea are just crazy good. It's believable. And the whole, every time they're on screen, I just wanted them to kiss. Which I realized... After rewatching this movie. And also, we've never seen Dushane or Rikia kiss. No, not in any of the three movies. I mean, they were close to kissing in this one. They did never kissed in the first movie because they were never together. And then, the third movie, Dushane was never on set. It was all via Zoom. Ugh. I wish that they had actually kissed in this movie, right? So, some misses. I'm going to go over this again. Anytime Hallmark does something where I can't be with a person because we live, I don't know, 15 miles apart or whatever, I will keep mentioning this. What does Hallmark have against long-distance relationships? Clara Lake did not even seem to be far from Seattle. I mean, like, they drove to Clara Lake within, in the same day. I don't understand why Megan felt like she had to say no to a possible relationship. A possible relationship that had a great chemistry with a guy that she likes and that likes her. I mean it's just insane. And then Sean offers to quit his job at Clara Lake to have a serious go with Megan. Laudis's relationships can work. There is nothing wrong, absolutely nothing wrong with beginning Sean being together even if they're not living in Seattle they don't have to be next door neighbors or live three blocks away from each other for them to be able to do that I I am glad that Hallmark got rid of that apprehension by the third movie. I understand Duchesne wasn't available for filming, hence why their relationship was long distance in One Perfect Wedding, but at least it looked more realistic. Another miss for me is Nikki. Very cute niece, she's adorable, and I love that she, like, you know, emulated megan and you know was googly eyed with her because she was doing the job that Nikki wanted but it took away from sean and megan i mean sean had to be the babysitter for a day there was like no took away from romance for all we know if nikki was there we would we might have seen them kiss we might have seen them kiss but that didn't happen. <laughs> so. I just wish that. Mickey wasn't there. Which, which is bad. Anyway. So that's it for the. Review of One Winter Weekend. Thank you for listening. So in conclusion. You can listen to us on. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Podbean. TuneIn and Alexa. Pandora. I Heart Radio and YouTube. Follow us on all social media platforms. Our Instagram page is Hallmark Heartbeats. Facebook page, Hallmark Heartbeats Podcast. And Twitter, Hallmark Heartbeat 1. Buy me a coffee. <laughs> Get me a latte. Latte. But buy me a coffee on www.buymeacoffee.com slash HMarkHeartBeats. We have never released podcasts, behind-the-scenes news, as well as raw, unedited footage of our interviews. The minimum is $3. All links on our link tree, which is in our bio. So until next time, thank you for listening. I'm Camille. Bye.